Hi, everyone. Welcome to Me, You, and Who. On today's episode, we are speaking with Miriam Shahab. Um, she is an inclusive communications and digital marketing strategist, but her favorite job title is Mama. She lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and son who was born via gestational surrogacy in September of 2021. She's an advocate for inclusive parenthood journeys and a champion for diversity inclusion because representation matters. This was an amazing time with Miriam. We had so much fun talking about her beautiful journey with her amazing surrogate, um, as well as just some of the things that she has been able to learn and educate others on post-journey. So please enjoy Miriam Shahab. Me, you, and who? Who knew it would take more than two people to have a baby? In a world where infertility is no longer a taboo topic, this podcast will take you through all the different aspects of surrogacy and egg donation through the lens of many who walk this journey in different ways. My name is Whitney Hall, and I am a two-time surrogate, now turned surrogacy coordinator for Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions, the very agency I used when I chose to carry for two amazing families. With this podcast, it is our goal to help guide and support you as you learn about what it takes to grow a family in an alternative way, as well as hear inspiring and beautiful stories of how this path has changed lives forever. We can't wait for you to hear about just one more way happy families are created every day. Well, thank you for doing this. I really do appreciate you like reaching out and wanting to share your story and for even just taking the time to, you know, be just out of your crazy busy day um, to even be part of this. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What, like just first question off the bat, what led you to surrogacy as how you were going to grow your family? For sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Whitney. And I'm just so glad for the platform and the podcast and everything your team is doing to create education around surrogacy because it's so needed. Oh, so for, I definitely did not know anything about surrogacy before I needed to pursue surrogacy. <laughs> um, I, I tell people I begrudgingly learned, right? It's not something sure. that's ever a first choice for many people. It wasn't for me a first choice in how I created my family. So my husband and I have now been married for 11 years. And um, when we first got married, thank you. Um, <laughs> when we first got married, we knew that we wanted to have kids, but we weren't going to try for kids. We wanted to just enjoy our marriage, explore, yeah. live. And about like five, six years into being married, we said, okay, let's try to start having children and yeah. try to naturally conceive. We're not having any luck finally, you know, got to that point of like, okay, like, let's talk to the doctors, um, talk to my OBGYN. And um, what she ended up saying is she recommended I talk with a fertility clinic, fertility doctor, given um, Mm. that I had some fibroids in my uterus. And that would be part of potentially the reason we did some other tests, that kind of a thing. And she said, you know, start talking to a fertility clinic. And um, I live in Austin, Texas, and I grew up in Plano, Texas, outside of Dallas. Yeah. And my parents um, are doctors there in Plano. So what we ended up doing, my husband and I both grew up in Plano. We met in high school, Bible high schools. Um, we decided I love to. It. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> we decided to go back to Plano and chose a fertility clinic there, where our parents were for some support. And um, through more tests with a fertility clinic, 
essentially what they told us is, well, let's do a round of IVF just because just in case, get your eggs, um, create some embryos for you. And then we'll do more tests to see if we think you can carry. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it was December, 2019 that we did a round of, well, November, December, a round of IVF. And we um, created and froze some embryos. And then it was February, 2020 that um, I had some tests done and they were able to um, identify that given the location of my fibroids, size of the fibroids, that I actually wouldn't actually be able to carry a pregnancy full term mm -hmm. and it would be a detriment um, to me um, and put potentially my life at risk. So that was like really difficult to hear. It was a really um, intense moment in my life, in our marriage, with our families, that kind of a thing. Um, sure. And essentially what they said is if you, you know, we did have some embryos frozen, luckily. Um, and they said, you know, if you want to use those embryos, we recommend surrogacy as an option. Okay. And I was like, overwhelmed, like, what is surrogacy? I don't know um, what you're saying right now. And they gave me <laughs> some business cards of a couple of different surrogacy agencies. And I said, okay. And, um, you know, really took me some time to process. And I, um, went to surrogacy.com, I think, and just like read every single page on the website. Sure. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? I've heard of it, but like, I don't know what this means. Right. And um, from there, it was now end of February, 2020. And then if you might remember, March, 2020 is when like the pandemic really hit the US. Might I remember. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness. So then everything just kind of literally, I mean, for everyone, all the things, everything went on pause, right? Everything paused. Like, Absolutely. The whole world stopped. <laughs> totally. And that's where, I mean, including us. And so we we're just like, okay, like, I don't know what's happening in the world around us and everything. So we didn't really pursue anything after that. Sure. Um, and so then it was March, no, sorry, we went through March, April, COVID was like, you know, COVID's COVID. Everyone, yeah. COVID was COVIDing. And then um, it was Memorial Day weekend, May, I guess, 2020. And um, my husband and I decided to like, okay, we're going to sit down and we're actually going to do applications with some surrogacy agencies. Okay. And it, it was just like, okay, those are a long weekend. We're just gonna, this is like what we're going to do. Um, and obviously, um, Circuit Solutions is one of the agencies that we applied to. And the application process, you know, felt overwhelming. It was like, okay, these are some medical questions. But then, like, why do you care about my favorite movie? <laughs> and, my, <laughs> uh, you know, some of those like lifestyle and personality questions, right? Um, but later I realized like how important that like relationship building and the matching, but I was just sitting there filling out the forms. It's like, this is a lot of yo-yo of like questions that you, that sure. are, you know, being asked and finding the right, like for, for my husband, and myself, we had to like describe ourselves or relationship, upload photos. It was like, which pictures like are going to make people want to carry our child, right? <laughs> like overanalyzing all of that and what that meant. Um, but that kind of was the beginning, just like getting through the diagnoses and timing of the pandemic and then finally applying. Oh my gosh. Okay. So much there. Like you have, you have just had like a full journey before you even had a journey and like, yeah, mm -hmm. which I mean is, it generally is what happens with, you know, a lot of, a lot of parents whenever they're or intended parents when they're applying. Okay. So a couple of questions I have to know just what made the, um, because I find that 
I think you're the first one that I've heard where they were like, hey, let's just go ahead and do embryo, like an egg retrieval before we even do anything else. What was their reasoning behind that? I think it was because my doctor knew based on the um, ultrasounds of my uterus, okay. how bad my fibroids were, mm. but he didn't want to say it until he'd actually gotten in there through like a, and uh, I forgot the term, the endoscope. No. Like a hysteroscopy? He had done like, yeah. 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 So he hadn't done that yet. And so he hadn't like, I mean, obviously he had gone in from an ultrasound and imaging, but he hadn't gone into like scrape. And so he, he just said like, let's do the round of IVF first before we mess with anything. That way we just have, and did you have any like thoughts about that aspect of things where it was like, oh gosh, now maybe, you know, or were you kind of like, oh, this could possibly be one of the ways that at least I can carry yeah, I mean, definitely was not thinking that I wasn't going to be the one to carry. So it was just like, you know, IVF has so much more societal awareness, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, sure. Okay. Like, yes, this is going to be difficult. The hormones and medicine and all that kind of a thing. But I um, am very type A person. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, there is instructions. This is going to happen at this time. Then this will happen. Like oh, you know, the great. fertility clinic had explained all of that to me. And I was like, okay, and um, uh, we can figure this out. And, you know, we had an interesting um, IVF time period. We ended up staying in Plano at my parents' house. um, Mm -hmm. And my mom was the nurse who administered my nurse, quote unquote, who administered uh, my shots for me, um, which was, yeah, kind (laughs) of like very beautiful, right? You know, she was helping me have my child through this process, if you will, in terms of just, you know, these steps. And um, going to the fertility clinic every other day, right, for the blood tests and stuff like that. Um, ultimately, the egg retrieval was successful. It didn't get as many eggs as you know, you know, you want. You always want bigger numbers and all that kind sure, of stuff. Sure, sure. The fact later I learned through the IVF community, like not even the egg retrieval is guaranteed, right? Like yeah. you don't know if you're going to get good quality or if you're going to get any eggs, etc. So um, I ended up coming home from the egg retrieval and actually a couple hours later passing out by myself, mm. like in the bathroom at my parents' house. And oh it was like, probably um, it was just cause like my body pressure going to the restroom, this kind of thing. And I just sure. passed out and my husband and my mother freaked out. They're like, she's lying on the floor, like not responding to us. Oh um, no. I ended up being fine. I went back to the hospital, um, but it was just like, okay, that was dramatic. Like the actual egg retrieval and giving the shots, like we figured all that out. We weren't expecting this. Sure. <laughs> but, um, that part was, was fine. Okay. Okay. So then it was like, okay, my path to parenthood is going to be slightly different because we're going to maybe, we're going to probably have to go the IVF route. Then all of a sudden you get the news, this isn't even going to be a possible path. And immediately they're like, okay, surrogacy is going to be your option. It sounds like obviously it was incredibly overwhelming, throw in a pandemic on top of that. And now we're just Mm -hmm. feeling all the feelings. What made you immediately decide, hey, I'm going to go the agency route versus, you know, like independent or, you know, things like that. I know that you said they handed you business cards and then you were like, I'm now just stone cold. I don't even know what's happening anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I didn't know that you couldn't go not the agency route. Like 
it was more like, okay, this is my next step. Like I had trust uh, in my fertility clinic. They said mm-hmm. the best way forward is working with one of these three surrogacy agencies that they've worked with before. Yeah. And I said, okay. <laughs> and um, I, I'm one of those people who very much puts trust in individuals as my path forward rather than like Googling everything. I do want to like learn and be informed, but I want to be learning, learn and be informed by people who are smarter than me at the thing, the experts, sure, right? Sure, and yeah. So, I always I say, really uh, be beware of Dr. Google, right? Like it can just be too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so that's where I didn't know you could go um, a different route. And I, I just didn't entertain that idea. Okay, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And so what ultimately made you decide to go with surrogate solutions versus um, two of the other agencies that you applied to? Yeah. So did the email and like what intake or discovery call, whatever it might be called sure. with um, multiple people. And it was kind of like a vibe check, right? It was um, the communication is so important to me between email communication and phone communication with who I'm working with. Like I said, yeah. the trust is so important. And I had never done this before. So I wanted sure. someone who was going to give me information in a way that it was um, understandable to me. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm the kind of person who wants all the information. It just needs to be packaged in a way that I can comprehend it. Like, don't Absolutely. just like, we're going to take care of it from A to Z. Well, what is it, right? Like, all the steps. And so I just, yeah. like, I remember um, Surrogate Solutions had given me some, like, PDFs and checklists and, like, flow charts. And I really liked that. Oh, um, your type A self. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, I really appreciated that. And, you know, it's. Of course, there's a business aspect, but the empathy is so important too. Is like, again, I'm coming to this for the first time and I definitely appreciated how Surrogate Solutions was showing up in those first conversations. Um, and that, you know, I could apply as um, potential intended parents and we wouldn't um, necessarily move forward until there was a match. That was important yeah. to me um, to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So how was that matching process? You ended up going with us. Wonderful. Yay. And then all of a sudden now it's like, okay, now I have to find the woman that's carrying my child. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes. Um, It was so interesting. So my husband and I, like I said, we met in high school, so we never did the dating profile things. uh, Sure. And it like the application and like the meeting of people totally from what I understand felt like a dating. Um, Like it's just like, you're trying to find your match, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was nerve wracking because sure. like this person is going to carry my child and I have to convince them to, and I have to be there vibe checking me and my husband to see sure. if they want to do this for us. Um, but what was beautiful and like, especially when I look back now is we got extremely lucky given it that it was the pandemic. We got matched with Katie, who is our gestational surrogate, um, gestational carrier, um, about six weeks after applying, which I know is sometimes unheard of, uh, where it could be months, it could be like year for other people is what I've heard, Mm -hmm. not just through surrogate solutions, just in surrogacy in general. Sure. Um, And so the fact that we got matched within six weeks truly was such an amazing thing because it just felt like there was progress especially when there's this moment of confusion and you know how am I going to make move forward on this and there was this moment of like I don't know much about surrogacy and our surrogates going to want to carry during the COVID time period and all those unknowns yeah. and so 
there was just so much going on. And the fact that we were able to match with her and her husband um, was um, wonderful. I actually remember our match meeting because it was on Zoom, of course. And of course. Um, there was, the coordinator was on the call from Surrogate Solutions. And it's like, literally your chaperone for your double date, trying to <laughs> like help you get comfortable with each other. Cause she knows both couples, but we're meeting for the first time. And it's, just, yeah. it's, it's, it's funny when you think about like that piece of it, but then after that, the relationship truly blossoms together. It's just those yeah. first few like first, feels so intense. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think you said it beautifully because it really, I mean, that meeting is another, you know, almost vibe check between, you know, each other because it's not like a list, right? It's not, okay, you're at the top of the list and now you're matched with that surrogate that's on the list. Does it work? You know, sort of thing. It is a, you know, you're looking at profiles and what is your favorite movie or, you know, wh what are the little things that during that quote, like first date, maybe you guys can connect on and, and, and things like that. So yeah, it totally is that vibe check. And obviously it was yeah. successful. <laughs> yeah. I remember actually, I, I haven't thought about this in a long time now. I just remember we talked about chocolate chip cookies on that first <laughs> match call too. I don't know how it came up, but we did. That was one of the things. But, yeah. I, yeah it, it's so funny as a coordinator, you know, we, we'll read notes from the match meeting. And um, I've had a couple times where, um, you know, it, it was Lauren who, you know, was was doing all of the, the match meetings. And um, she did something about, there was a, a group that I had who they, uh, they bonded over Harry Potter. So she's like mm -hmm. typing stuff in there and she's like, I have no idea what any of this is, but I'm putting this in here because I know you like Harry Potter. <laughs> That's so cute. I love it. I know. Everybody seems to always have one thing that's like, okay, good. Here's our common ground. And then let's go from there. Like, and it's something so mm -hmm. silly, like Harry Potter or chocolate chip cookies. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're about to embark on this crazy thing, but let's talk about something so surfacey that we can all bond over. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. And then it gets started and you go through the whole thing. So how was your experience with Katie? What was the that journey like? um it was great it was amazing yeah. uh the first time we finally got to meet in person so she was located in oklahoma norman oklahoma area my husband and i live in austin texas and then the fertility clinic we were using was in plano texas right so different geographic areas and we first time we actually met in person was in plano after a fertility clinic initial appointment that she had sure and we actually met at corner bakery i remember this specific corner bakery that we met at and because my husband and i grew up in plano it was a quarter bakery we'd gone to a lot like yeah. with our families just growing up and we were so nervous to meet in person too because it was like you know you've done your virtual dates and the text messages <laughs> but now we're actually going to meet in person and i just remember how you know what am I going to wear? And <laughs> but um, the actual journey was so beautiful. There's so many moments that, um, you know, really solidified our relationship together too. And because it was COVID time periods, I actually, my husband and I were not allowed into the fertility clinic for sure. those first appointments. So we remember when um, the, we actually had the, um, I'm, trying, I'm blanking on the word um the embryo um the transfer 
the transfer day. Yes. Wow. Sorry, I forgot the word. Transfer day. We literally, my husband and I, we called it a tailgate. We sat outside the um, clinic and we all a met in the parking tailgate. lot. transfer tailgate. I love it. We called it a transfer <laughs> tailgate. Like my husband and I had the snacks with us too. So her husband sat in his car and then um, my husband and I sat in our car and like she went in and had the transfer and, you know, she's texting all of us in our group chat and then came back out and you know, we were hugging, taking pictures, all that kind of thing. But literally my husband and I just sat there and we actually like made a video because I decided to like make sure I was capturing my husband and I's emotions throughout this whole process. I wanted to take a lot of photos and videos to really remember um and so we had like a, a vlog just my husband and I sitting in the car eating snacks waiting for some <laughs> updates because I needed something to pass the time you know and it's, it wasn't very long as you know transfer appointments um are pretty short and they so are, there's yeah. like there's there's that appointment and then when we finally we were on FaceTime when we got, got to hear the heartbeat when the first mm -hmm. heartbeat appointment too and again we were in the car outside of the fertility clinic because we still wanted to be there without being physically in the room right right we still came, came to play now wanted to see Katie before and after yeah. the appointment things like that um but it was just like the beginning of the journey and then when she graduated to her OB in um, Norman Oklahoma um, their policies by the you know where the calendar time was going on too um, allowed us to come into appointments which was so fun and mm. part of the memories my husband and I have are driving from Austin to Oklahoma which is like a six hour plus drive sure and going there waking up early this kind of thing like asking to have appointments at 10 a.m rather than 8 a.m so that we you know leave at certain times sure um but just all these appointments and being there through this process, luckily I was working remotely already um, and just being able to like be there for each of these appointments and these milestones helped solidify our relationship together. Mm, I love that. I love that. And then of course, over the course of the time, obviously, like you said, your relationship with Katie blossomed and you know, all of that. Yeah. What were besides delivery day, which I want to hear all about it, but what were some of your favorite memories throughout the journey? Yeah, I was thinking about this. So one of the things um, we did was a gender reveal and um, I, with a, with embryo testing, technically you already know the gender of the embryo sure. and, um, I didn't want to know. I told our fertility clinic, pick the best quality embryo for transfer day. Um, okay. didn't have a preference on gender, um, that kind of a thing. I so said, just, I need the best chance, whichever is the best quality. I trust the embryologist and the fertility doctor. So, um, didn't want to know which one they transferred. Yeah, And I also didn't want to know the gender until we got through the first trimester. That was just like a mental thing for me. I didn't want sure. to know. I didn't know, like, is it, you know, a real viable pregnancy and knowing the gender felt like it just felt heavy to me. Like it, it was a little too it real. more real, yeah. too real. And so I was actually out here in Austin with my husband and my best friend um, canoeing or kayaking one day. And my friend was asking me, she's my best friend. She's been there through this process for me. And she said, uh, let's do a gender reveal. I said, no, like, I'm just going to like email the clinic and ask now that I'm comfortable. She's like, why? No, we're going to do a whole gender reveal for you. I said, okay. Like she convinced me. And so she was the first person to know the gender because when I connected her with a fertility clinic, gave all the, like the legal approvals for her sure, to find sure. out the gender. So the fertility clinic emailed her and she had to sit on this information for like 
a week and a half, two weeks while she planned the gender reveal. And she's like, I actually can't hang out with you because I can't like just accidentally tell you this, right? <laughs> and so we just did a little gender reveal. We did one initially here in Austin with some friends. And uh, my friend, also kind of type A like me, she asked me, how do you want the reveal, right? Do you want it in a cake? Do you want a balloon? Do you want, sure. so there's so many ways to do it. And um, I, I don't remember what I actually told her, but what she did is she did, she picked two ways to do it. So she got a balloon with the color inside and she got cupcakes with, and she told the, the bakery, the gender, and she said, this is for a gender reveal. I want uh, blue. My, my son, is, uh, um, you know, wanted to have the blue for him. And so um, I, she got both. And so she, we're here at the party at my um, town home and <laughs> I say, okay, like, let's do the cupcake. Let's cut into the cupcake. Let's find the color out that way. Yeah. And uh, my friends were like, no, you know, the photos look better if it's the balloon. I said, <laughs> okay, fine. Right? And so we end up doing the balloon and finding out we're going to have a boy and celebrating. Aww. And then now it's time to eat cupcakes. Let's, let's have a party, right? So we cut into the cupcake and there's actually no color. Like, it's just has no filling. And oh, no we're like what if that had been the way that we had found out we would have all been so confused and my friend would have been like I guess I'll show you the email like <laughs> so she was so happy she had two ways to announce it to us and to our friends uh, I love it it was just like it was like really this happened um and then we did another gender reveal with our families um back in Plano and we decided to keep with the balloon route because <laughs> that was solid we didn't photo. want a bakery incident yes. yes we don't, we don't trust the bakeries anymore <laughs> so <laughs> but you know got the color inside the balloons the confetti the beautiful shots and revealed it to our family that we were going to have a son um but the thing is I had no boy name at all I only had girl names like even when we were trying to conceive naturally like I just did not know what to name if we had a son. Yeah. Like I had a list for our girls. My husband and I discussed that list and now we're having a boy. I was like, well, no idea what we're going to name him. <laughs> like, yeah, we're back to zero now. <laughs> back to zero. Don't know what to do. Um, and so our surrogate, her name is Katie, but her full name is Mary Catherine. And um, my name is Miriam. And Miriam in Arabic is Mary, which is essentially the same name. So Miriam and Mary are the same name. And um, Mary is, and, and so then ended up, sorry, back to the story. So my son's name, we decided to name him Isa. Isa in Arabic is Jesus. So the concept of Mary and Jesus together was something that we found so beautiful because Aww. my name is Miriam, which is Mary. Her name is Mary, Mary Catherine. And um, we decided to name my son Isa, also Jesus, which the idea of like immaculate, you know, conception and just Aww. the fact that she was carrying him it was just all of these pieces came together that um we 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 went ahead and like had the name and we did share the name with some with Katie and with our friends and family beforehand too it just helped us stay connected and make the whole thing feel more real um, as we progressed through the pregnancy Oh, I love that. That is so beautiful. And what an honor for her as well. Oh my goodness. So let me, let me ask you this. So it sounds like you obviously, you had friends that were like, you must have a gender reveal and your mom was doing the shots. What was it like 
telling your family, hey, this is how we're going to have our child. Yeah, I mean, what was, you know, you can't plan for these things, but what was great is that fact that we worked with a fertility clinic in Plano. And so my parents were there for exactly the moment that I found out that I wasn't able to carry my child. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they were there for the information that if I wanted to have a child of our own, it would be through surrogacy because they, Mm -hmm. we already had all, everyone in my family, close circle of friends knew that I'd done IVF. And so that part was, you know, they very much deferred to me and my husband on like, what do we want to do with this information of like, if you want to have your own child, it will be through surrogacy. Um, And very much supportive in the sense of like learning with me on like, what does surrogacy mean? Sure. How are we going to finance this? Things like that. Um, Yeah. There was also, you know, when there's the inner circle the family and the friends and then after that like the idea of like telling other people became something that was like even with a traditional pregnancy you know you want some people want to wait till it's bible pregnancy that kind of a thing or further along you know anything can happen in a pregnancy um and so part of it was how am I, I work in social media marketing so I have a public social media for myself and so it's like you know the traditional social media announcement like how am I going to do that I want to do it should I do it like what is it going to say right she like, heard. I have a belly photo of my own to share um but like all those traditional announcement things I wanted to do them and it was finally my time um you know to share because I'd gone to enough gender revealed baby showers celebrated enough like pregnancy announcements of others yeah. Um, and so when I shared it most publicly it was on my own Instagram and, um, shared a post and I, I genuinely was vulnerable in the sense that this is something my husband and I have been trying for many years. We went through IVF and we are blessed to have this amazing gestational carrier who's mm-hmm. going to bring our son into the world. Yeah, and um, you know, sh- you know, had so much positive reaction from people that I know or knew before, and that I'm still connected to. And um, you know, I also had a conversation with work. Um, I was really worried: what kind of maternity leave am I going to get? Sure. And how do I announce it? One to my boss, but then two to HR to figure out. Um, you know, what is our policy? Like I tried to read it myself. Like, I don't know, like it didn't say the next <laughs> this word. And I had a lot of tenure at the company. I'd been there for, I guess at the time, maybe like eight, nine years. And so yeah. um, I had a lot of relationships and I wanted to leverage that. I was like, I'm going to get my maternity leave. I'm going to get at least three months of maternity leave one way or the other. I'm going to like the, you know, the basic maternity leave, I guess is three months nowadays. And I was nervous to tell them. And of course I told them before I would post on social media um, and had good conversations. And they ended up, my HR person from my office had not ever administered a maternity leave, it's the terms that she used, for a surrogacy leave. But my okay. company at the time was part of a larger conglomerate of companies. So she reached out to the HR um, folks at the other companies and turns out like someone at another company had um, administered a leave for surrogacy and she tried to use their templates to come up with something and build a maternity leave package for me because the company had, um, what is it called? Like unlimited PTO. 
So okay. like basically connecting some unloaded PTO with some family leave policies and ended up being like two bouts of different leads and we meshed it all together. And oh my goodness, a, a all the things. Myself. Yeah. So like telling people at work um, was definitely you know, part of the process of just, I didn't at the time want to take on the education mantle and the awareness building mantle that I do now of being a advocate for surrogacy. At the time, it was just like my life. And this is, I, I just need to tell you, I'm having a child. Like, this is how it's happening, kind of a thing. Um, yeah. But now, like on the other side of it now, I'm like, wow, we need more family leave policies for people who have children in different ways. Like I deserve, or anyone who's an intended parent deserves to have time with their child after you tried so hard to get them here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, you were paving the way you were being an advocate and you were like, I don't want to talk about it right now, but you need to make this happen. And fantastic for you. That's right. You know, you're so right, Winnie, because now my hope is that anyone at that company, I'm not there anymore, um, who might be having a child through surrogacy. Now they have that template. They have that policy that they gave me. So now they can give it to others too. So that's that's so true. Um, but you know, the other question you asked me is just like memorable moments on our process. Um, one of my favorite memories that we had was we decided to do a surrogacy maternity photo shoot. So Um, talking about all these like milestones, right? Like we did the gender reveal, um, and our surrogate was not actually at our gender reveal, but what I ended up doing is I sent her and her family um their own little reveal package and had, it was like chocolate it was like a chocolate heart with uh blue m&ms on the inside and there was a little hammer that the person oh yeah like the break apart break into. yeah you could see it on etsy i'm sure it was like a, one of those cute etsy ideas but uh, sure <laughs> had that and, and sent me a video too but then what we what i really really loved and at the time again i was just like living my life i didn't i wasn't like thinking like, what does this mean symbolically? And I was just like, you know, I've always wanted to do a maternity photo shoot Yeah. and let's reframe it. Let's do it with our surrogate. And let's, um, you know, I wanted to ask Katie and she was very comfortable with it. And I invited her family to be part of it too. Cause this is a memorable moment. She'd been, um, uh, you know, educating her children and her family yeah. and her community through her process too. And so um, found a photographer in Oklahoma um, and the photographer had never done a surrogacy photo shoot. And so, again, I ended up educating without meaning to yep. in the process. More education. <laughs> um, I went into Pinterest and I found some photos I like. There are people who've done, of course, these surrogacy maternity photo shoots. It's just not super common. And um, we were working with a maternity photographer in Oklahoma. So she understood now that she'd seen the pictures that I'd shared with her, um, what we were going for and like whether it was, you know, photos of my husband and I with Katie or our hands on her belly or, you know, just some of the like the important shots to get versus also it's we end up at this beautiful like mountaintop in Oklahoma that the photographer had picked and like Mm. just the, the location. And so totally built up that trust with her to like get these photos that would be memories for both of our families for a lifetime and um we got lost going up and finding the mountain (laughs) (laughs) that was a whole other thing but but the photos were something that I was really it was that moment that was visually appealing to help share with others to understand 
that like this is this emotional moment between our two families and how we're connecting and choosing to have these memories like you know I have the um ultrasound pictures you know and that's that's great and feels very normal but the idea of like this juxtaposition of my husband and I with our pregnant carrier it was just something that I think really struck a lot of people to emotionally and of course myself and family and friends well, it's celebrating it. I mean, because of course you went through a grieving process of like, oh gosh, I'm this isn't how I originally thought my family would come in to the world or grow my family, but it's still so beautiful. And, you know, you get to share it with obviously, I mean, you and Katie became such, you know, your family's bonded. And so it's just one way to celebrate that unique bond that is surrogacy and growing your family in that way. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's gorgeous oh I love that I love that okay so you had delivery day it was beautiful and amazing I'm sure you got there in time thank goodness all of the things right that's always everyone's biggest fear am I going to get there in time especially if you're not in the same state um what was it like seeing your sweet baby boy and then how was life after Yes. Um, well, like it just brings me a, a smile on my face thinking about of all these course. memories. So um, we had a scheduled um, induction. And so mm-hmm. we knew when it was going to happen. And so we had gone up to um, Norman, Oklahoma the day before. And we'd always stayed at this one hotel, my husband and I, like that's right next to the hospital. So it was like, okay, we're, like, well, we're here again. Um, and what had been discussed with uh, Katie's OB was that because again it was still COVID days that um, she could have one of us me or my husband in the delivery room okay and um, that was for the past for like the last two months of pregnancy it was like that was kind of what we were going with we've been um, the surrogate solutions coordinator had been talking with the hospital and the uh, labor and delivery team and all of that right. which was wonderful right. helping me feel comfortable too um, on what that process would look like you know we'd have our own um, mother baby room and all that like understanding all that so sure the day before uh katie calls us and says we've gotten approval for both of you to be in the delivery room (gasps) which we were so excited about my husband like his whole time he's like well i'm not gonna be there you're gonna be there with uh katie sure right you know yeah yeah, it's just like i was like what okay this was exciting well you know there's always twists right so (laughs) now it's so my husband and I go have like our last pre-baby meal at like a restaurant near the ho- Absolutely. hotel. <laughs> and, you know, we're the call time for reduction was probably like some six or 7am pretty early. And sure. so we're like, okay, like we're getting in bed at like nine thirty ten. 10. Like, let's just nerves, so many nerves. And Katie texts us like once we're already in bed, she says, are you awake? I, and I was like, okay, yeah, let's talk. And, um, turns out, again part of the protocol at the time was that she had to take a COVID test before the induction she got a positive COVID test oh Uh, uh, yes and so because of that that changed all of the labor delivery policies yeah so my husband and I were not able to be in the delivery room and they obviously the labor delivery team had their own like mask up all sorts right, of stuff, all the policies, gear, mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. gear, and then of course Kitty's wearing the mask, and then her husband's wearing the mask, and all of that kind of stuff. So my husband and I were not able to be in the room. So it was like kind of whiplash, like we're both going to be there, no, we're not, and you know, oh. just processing all of that. So again, like 
parking lot meetups is our kind of our go-to thing. There you go, a delivery so, tailgate. <laughs> right? And so we meet up in the parking lot in the morning and um, like Katie gives me this gift, this box before she goes in for uh, the induction and for delivery. And I'm like, what, what are you, why are you, you're about to give me the best gift of my life. You know? sure. And so, um, and I was like, well, I'm going to open this like later. I'm not doing this right now. And so, um, she goes <laughs> I got to hold it together. <laughs> <laughs> she goes and checks in to her, um, into the labor delivery. My husband and I actually go ahead. The hospital gave us our, um, room on the mother baby floor. Right. Right. And so we're, we're sitting there waiting, texting, FaceTiming. It time sure. goes by so slowly. Oh, and, and inductions like, are, yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen. It could take forever. Mm -hmm. or it could take a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Time goes so slowly. And so, um, now, so we're like eating lunch. I'm like, how am I eating food right now? Like, I don't know. And so finally we get the text <laughs> that, um, it's time and she has a beautiful, easy delivery, literally oh, mi like minutes, like the OB was across the street. Like it's just different buildings and she right. had to run over because things were moving fast. And so, um, she gets there, beautiful delivery. And, um, Katie's husband actually took so many videos and photos for us, which was oh. amazing. And, literally from labor delivery which i think was a lower floor and we were on mother baby my son isa is brought to us like within minutes of being born and the doctor actually did this beautiful thing where she left part of the umbilical cord still on like of course it had to be cut but like kind of like a good couple inches sure so that we could cut it when oh. he came up to our room and the nurses there were, so were wonderful and you know because Katie was technically COVID positive. Right. Now, Issa was considered technically COVID positive, And okay. now he's coming to our room. So we have to wear masks. And so my husband and I are wearing masks. First time we're meeting our son. But this nurse, she's so wonderful. She's like, takes my cell phone. She says, take off your mask. You're meeting your son for the first time. And takes these beautiful photos. That is like still my like number one photo where yeah. um, I'll share the photo with you later, but it's, I, I, you again, you can't make this stuff up. I'm crying and smiling the biggest smile of my life and crying at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it's just like the juxtaposition, like there's a lot going on. Yes, <laughs> and so of course. This uh, nurse was wonderful and just like took all these photos for us when oh. we first met him. And it was, you know, just truly amazing. I was like, it's this little boy. He's my son. He's here it's, finally. Yeah, he's yours. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Considering especially just the timing of everything. And then, I mean, it sounds like, especially with her being COVID positive and all of that. And like you said, the whirlwind of will we, won't we, it sounded like it was still just the most perfect, beautiful moment as it should have been. Oh, exactly. Like, honestly, I would never have had it any other way. Like I don't yeah. regret anything. And like she, and also the hospital was just so wonderful that all of the tests, I guess, that you would do within a few minutes of the baby sure. being born, they did all that upstairs in our room. So they also uh, wanted to get Issa out from that room and into our room. And so sure. like, all of the measurements, all of those things they did. They had the heat lamp on and everything. And he brought him to our room and they did it all with us right there, 
which oh, was just amazing. yeah with mom and dad yeah yeah it was amazing and like you know they do all the other I guess hearing tests a vision test but then he had to have, like literally day one of this guy's life he had a COVID test so you know COVID well, era babies. Of course. yeah COVID <laughs> babies I mean there's something special about him <laughs> yeah no, and he was fine Katie was fine uh, both of them yeah you know they, they didn't actually like have any COVID symptoms or reactions Oh my gosh. Okay. So what was in the box? What did she give you? Um, it was a blanket. So oh. it was just this beautiful baby blanket that we still have. And, you know, it's just going to be one of those memories for Issa that this came from Katie and her family. Oh, I love that. I love that. So how was, cause it was COVID times. How were your first couple months? Like you're being your mom now. I mean, you were mom, but now you're mom with a newborn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, amazing. So we stayed in the hospital, I think two days and, um, we drove from Norman to back to Plano. So yeah. had a pit stop there at my family's house, got to meet sure. the grandparents. Did uh, Katie have husband. to stay in the hospital longer or was she able to go home? Oh, she was actually able to go home before we did. So, oh. which was great because they wanted to wait to test Issa some more as sure. well. And so, um, she got to go home. I think it was the next day. Yeah. It was oh, that's day. great. That's yeah. great. So, so her COVID symptoms weren't like major or anything like no, that. No, no. Awesome. One of the things actually, because of that whole situation, she and her husband actually didn't get to quote meet Isa. Like oh, sure. after he was delivered, yeah, she came to our room and we and were quarantined for 24, 48 hours. I don't yeah. remember exactly. So she didn't get to meet him which was like oh it was yeah 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 and so then you know now we're journeying all the way to Plano and from Plano to Austin absolutely the first time she really got to meet meet him um and her family um they came to Austin for his first birthday and it was so beautiful it was just so much fun we had them over to our house on his actual birthday and he did a smash cake and everything. It was just my, like our close family and then Katie and her family. And then the next day we had a birthday party, um, like out at a restaurant. So sure. they came for that too. And they got to, because again, the COVID times, like they didn't get to meet our families also because right. of inter- limited interaction. So that was the first time my parents were meeting this woman who had birthed my child and my friends got to meet her at the birthday oh. party and all of that so it was oh that is so special that is so Mm -hmm. special oh my goodness what a journey what a journey okay so since then at the time it was just okay I'm just I'm growing my family I don't want to talk about it but this is how we're doing it and then of course you're battling Mm -hmm. a pandemic during the same time so everything is just Mm -hmm. wonky and crazy and since then in retrospect you're like the world needs to know we must educate how, what does yes. that look like for you and your family? And then of course your sweet son. Yeah. What kind of, um, I guess what sparked that, like what sparked you wanting to be like, Hey, people need to know more about this. So I am a big believer in storytelling. And, yeah. you know, when I was beginning my journey and been told that I needed to uh, use surrogacy as my path to parenthood, if I wanted to have my own um, child, I just like, wasn't able to find enough stories around regular people sure pursuing surrogacy right there was like what was in the entertainment media which you know not really yeah. accurate 
And nope. then there was <laughs> celebrities. Like it truly was, okay, Gabrielle Union, Priyanka Chopra, Tan France, like cool for them, Kim Kardashian. And like, I'm not them. I cannot relate to them. I've never been someone who's into celebrity culture. Um, I'm like not obsessed with pop culture in that sense. And sure. so it was always like, that's what came up when I was looking for stories of surrogacy. And yeah. so what became important to me as I reflected and had more space from like the actual surrogacy journey. And I was, you know, now a mom with my son. Um, I worked, like I said, in social media marketing. And then I actually, once my son was born, I ended up starting at, at a new firm um, communications agency, which is focused on advocacy work, um, advocacy for lots of different issue areas. Sure. And one of the er issue areas I worked in was reproductive justice. And I was really seeing the power of telling stories to create change um, and demand change also when it comes to policies and things like that too. And um, honestly, it just came very naturally to me just to start sharing retrospectively, nostalgically, um, you know, on transfer day, um, a year after transfer day, I shared on Instagram, on my personal Instagram, that blog I told you about, like the transfer tailgate and like the videos that vulnerably that my husband and I took mostly just for ourselves, but I shared them publicly and the amount yeah. of responses I got from people who were so thankful for me sharing our journey beyond my just micro group of friends and family was amazing. And it felt really good to me that people were asking me questions about IVF, asking me questions about uh, surrogacy, yeah. some because they're just curious and some because they actually like needed the information sure. for themselves or for someone in their um, friends and family circle. Literally yesterday or day before, yesterday before we have this podcast interview, I got a message on Instagram because I've continuously shared some of the, mm -hmm. the reflective journey um, from a woman I worked with years ago. Haven't talked to her. Honestly, she never has inter interacted with my Instagram content. Like, I don't remember her liking, commenting, or DMing me before. Yeah. But just two days ago, she messaged me and she said, hey, I've been watching your stuff. I know that um, you vulnerably shared about surrogacy. One of my best friends lives in Austin, and she just found out that she's not going to be able to carry for her second um, child that they, they're trying for. Would you be open to connecting with her? and sharing um, some of the ups and downs and the ins and outs of surrogacy. Mm. I said, it made me, it made my heart smile so much, Whitney. Like, this is a woman who is seeing my content and now she has this moment to support her friends. And mm. I, of course, said yes. And I said, listen, whenever your friend is ready to talk yeah. to me, that's up to her. Like, I'm here. Here's my personal cell phone number if you want to connect this way. Um, and it would make me, I've had, I've had a few people over the past two years who reached out to me and I've had that conversation with them. One conversation, two, three conversations. And it's just mm. being a real human that's like not the internet <laughs> to yeah, have absolutely. a conversation with somebody. And, like, and, you know, I always tell people, I was like, I am not an expert. I have my story my experiences and then I am informed because I consume a lot of content around this but I am not an expert but there's something to having a real human and it's just these these moments just like this woman DMing me a couple of days ago is why I share why I share about our our journey um and you know reflecting like every year on his birthday how important 
it is for me to talk to my son about Katie and all the in-between moments too is, you know, making sure that he knows that he wouldn't be here without her. And um, that's something I'm trying to figure out is like, you know, there's not enough books about surrogacy, like kids sure. books, you know, there's like literally the same seven whenever you Google, like come up and a lot, some of the books are for the surrogates children to understand what the surrogates doing. And that's great, but I don't need that. I need different ways to explain to my son like how much we did to have him here and how loved he is, not just by us, but by Katie and others as well mm. to bring him here. And uh, like, that's where I just think there's just not enough. So it's like content, movies that are real, books that are real, real people's real stories to explain what surrogacy is and why it's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you're right in the Hollywood kind of version of surrogacy, it's usually sensational and generally inaccurate. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. there, it doesn't feel as though there's a lot of resources or it's a celebrity. Um, and mm -hmm. you're right. It's real people trying to figure this out. Um, and it's not necessarily a classified as a luxury perhaps like, it's like, no, this mm -hmm. is how we're going to grow our family. And it's, and it's hard and it's, you know, and it's vulnerable and so raw and real. Oh, that's amazing. Would you, um, because you sent me that beautiful blog, um, the, or it wasn't a blog, but your article, um, the, is he yours? Can you share more about it? Because I know, like you said, you know, you're sometimes in these mom groups and everyone starts talking about their personal delivery day or, oh gosh, you remember, you know, our feet were swollen or, you know, whatever it might be, or those, those first couple of days or that first time at the park or, you know, whatever it may be. Can you share more about, um, you know, just that moment for you? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, when we were going through our surrogacy journey, it was much about how do I communicate to others that I am an intended mom, you know, I am having a child, even though my body might not look like it. Right. Yeah. We have these moments where during the surrogacy journey, showing up to, uh, what is it, uh, Bye Bye Baby to do registry. And I was really nervous. Like, um, are they going to ask me who I'm registering for? Right. Because my sure. daughter's not going. And I was focused on how to deal with those moments. I wasn't focused on once my son is here, how do I, how and if will I have to like acknowledge to other people that, oh, I didn't carry my son. Like how many times am I going to repeat this? Right. Mm -hmm. And do I, do I need to, like, of course I'm going to, to my son, but like to others is, is kind of what I was thinking about. And so this um, article you talk about, um, it might be published on motherly. So I'll, I'll let you know if it does get published there. Yeah. But um, what I was really reflecting on is so my son was born September 30th, 2021. And a month later is Halloween. And I, my friends convinced me, like, get him a cute costume. And I was like, I don't know. like, I was very much in that early mom, new brain phase where I was like, Absolutely. I can't think about stuff. Like, you're talking about something that's two weeks away. Mm -mm, I don't know. Nope. <laughs> so, We're going day to day, hour by hour. <laughs> yes, totally. I was like, they're just like, oh, come on, get him a cute newborn um, costume. And I was like, so I ended up getting an expedited Etsy uh, costume, which was a fox costume. And so his whole, his whole room theme is his nursery theme is, is like, um, forest. So he has like a couple sure. like, um, fox characters, things like that. And so, um, we got that for him and my husband and I were like, we cannot think creatively right now. There is no costumes for us. It is fine. 
Um, and one no. of my friends. We are like, parents. Host- that's our costume. <laughs> that, that is our costume, right? And so my friend was hosting um, a Halloween get together and wanted to take her daughter um, out for trick or treating and um, invited us over. So somehow I said yes. I convinced myself to like go and say yes. And, and you know, it was one of those things where I'm a sucker for family friendly events before I had my son. Like, I love these like, wholesome go to the farmer's market with your kid and like go to the pumpkin patch like that is just that kind of stuff I've always liked doing even without my child I've always wanted to envision myself doing with a child one day and so I was like okay no like let's start making some memories Mary I'm like let's let's do this and um went and we're just in my friend's neighborhood walking around doing trick-or-treating and um obviously my son's in his stroller and people are like trying to peek and they're like, oh, yeah. you know, what's his costume? And like, oh, how old's the little one? That kind of a thing. And this woman stops me and she starts asking those general questions. And I say, oh, he's actually only a month old. And she literally says, looks at me, she goes, is he yours? And I wasn't saying it like to be rude or malicious, but she goes, you've lost so much weight. Is he yours? Oh. And I literally was frozen in my tracks I was like what like yes of course he's mine right but she was commenting on my body because my body didn't look like a traditional postpartum mother who has delivered her child which I didn't deliver my child but it was absolutely infuriating like Mm. here I am just trying to make memories with my family, go trick-or-treating, minding my own business. And it just shows how much progress we have yet to make as a society Mm -hmm. when it comes to just commenting on women's bodies, regardless of pregnancy. Like, let's not do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's one layer right there. Like That's just like the first layer, right? And (laughs) then commenting on what a postpartum body should look like. And... Uh it was so frustrating to me to I'm not going to sit there and explain in that moment that no we had a gestational carrier like here's a random stranger I'm trying to trick-or-treat house to house I wish I had said more to her but in that moment I didn't realize that I was going to have these moments that I needed I do want to prepare myself emotionally for to protect myself and then proactively like what am I going to say next time type of a thing now that I've experienced that this is something people might might ask or might say type of a thing so it's it's one of those where I want to be proactive about letting others know including my son of course that he was born through surrogacy I'm not hiding that fact from anyone I'm not ashamed of that fact frankly I'm proud of that fact and that's one of those things that I think we just all need to create more awareness for surrogacy. And that's why I share my story is to truly share that these things happen. And now we all need to reassess our own biases um, around what motherhood looks like or what pregnancy looks like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I, whenever you first, when, when I first read the article and then when you first told me about it, I just, I was like, I just have, I have so many thoughts and feelings and I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but I mean, I completely, completely agree because you're right. Motherhood, 
postpartum bodies, how you get to motherhood, you know, like how you get to, you know, just parenthood in general is so different for everybody. And I mean, oh, sometimes it, sometimes you just don't deserve to have the answers to those questions. So just don't ask them, like, just let it be a mystery and move on with your life. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, for so for those who have kind of maybe those unfortunate encounters or are given, you know, if we want to put a positive spin on it, are given the opportunity to educate. Yeah. <laughs> what how have you kind of I know you said you've just prepared yourself emotionally. What words have you thought of to say in moments like that or what advice would you give to intended parents who maybe I mean like you said that was a fear, right? when you're going to register, when you're showing up to hospital classes and you're not obviously pregnant or, you know, things like that, what are some, what would advice would you give or words that you would maybe give to that situation? That's a good question. Honestly, I'm so struggling with that piece. Yeah. Um, I do think, you know, one of the things I did during the surrogacy journey piece was choosing when to acknowledge that I am the intended parent and, mm-hmm. you know, baby registry is one of them. You know, I, I wish that there was more inclusivity in this parenthood journey. And that's something I'm really hoping to advocate for moving forward and use my platform and my marketing expertise for too, is if bye bye baby, you know, when you register, when you sign up to work with a consultant to help you with your registry, like if there was a button on there that just said, you know, how are you um, expecting? Or like, you know, is there an option for like indicating that I am an intended parent through surrogacy, right? Like, don't, you don't need to show me the maternity wear. You don't need to show me the, like, what can I opt out of, right? I was choosing um, not to um, breastfeed or uh, use my carrier's milk. So can you show me more things about formula? Like, could they customize that experience to what the process for the parenthood journey looks like? That's something, you know, I hope to see change societally or micro with certain brands and organizations across this parenthood journey. Uh, But I think, you know, in terms of like how to handle those situations, it's through honesty and vulnerability. And like, I think people respond to not necessarily being corrected, but you just answer your version of the story. So, hey, I'm actually the mom. I'm expecting through, or I had my son through a surrogate, you know, most people hopefully have heard the word surrogate, though their definition or connotation might be different around what that means. Sure, sure. Um, But, you know, just that simple answer. And if they want to ask follow-up questions, and if you want to answer those or not, that's where it gets a little dicey. Mm -hmm. But I think owning your truth, owning your truth that you are a mother through gestational surrogacy um, and then seeing their reaction. And sometimes people are like, shut up. And they're like, I don't know what that is. Or, oh, I shouldn't have said what I said. <laughs> or they get, there's some people who are genuinely curious and they kind of push and prod and it can be comfortable or uncomfortable depending on the situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, good for you for, for handling that as best as you could at the time, especially with it being just so blocked. Um, One of the things that I know you've also been advocating for is just kind of the inequity that is, you know, people of color within the infertility world. 
Tell me more about that. What made you passionate about that? Obviously, you're a woman of color yourself. So, you know, you experienced your own, you know, kind of looking around and, you know, being like, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> yep, absolutely. So uh, for anyone who's listening to the podcast version, I am a South Asian Pakistani Muslim woman, grew up mostly in Texas. And, um, you know, something I just as a personal um perspective I've been really passionate about in general outside of surrogacy is just this idea of representation. Representation yeah. in storytelling, representation in um, certainly parenthood experiences. And so when I found myself in this situation, I looked around um, when I was on the surrogacy websites, when I was um, uncovering what surrogacy means, and even on like IVF Instagram and surrogacy Instagram accounts, it was very white. And I, you know, was seeking out stories that were similar to mine. And honestly, like, I really just didn't find them. Celebrities aside, I um, saw, you know, some news articles for local communities, things like that, of whether it was the gestational carrier or whether it was the intended parents who were um, not white or of color, they became the the exception, not the rule. The rule mm. seemed to be, and, you know, it it honestly felt, awkward. And it felt like, you know, this is not necessarily a place where I see myself, but it is a place that I need to be in because this is how I'm pursuing my family. So right. like, it is what it is at the time. But you know, when I reflect on it, you know, there with surrogate solutions, one of the things was we had a Facebook group where um, it was for intended parents. And I, I understand there's a separate one for uh, surrogates too. And, you know, I literally was clicking on people's profiles. And, and other intended parents to see like who they are, where they're located, that type of a thing. And there was another um, South Asian woman who was in the group at the time and we started messaging each other on Facebook. And mm -hmm. um, I don't remember if we both acknowledged that we were both South Asian um, or not, but um, I just was so curious. I was like, who else is the type of people who are pursuing surrogacy or as intended parents? I just like wanted to learn more about these people and, you know, had connected with a few different um, individuals. But for the most part, it was not surprising to me. It was more disappointing that there weren't more women of color on both sides of this um, as part of the process. Yeah. Why do you think that is? You know, I've been thinking about that one. Um, I think one surrogacy is still really new um, in like the grander scheme of things in terms sure. of how to... Um, have a family. And two, I think part of it becomes that you are what you see. So I do think that women of color may be less likely to pursue being a surrogate or being an intended parent because they don't know anybody who mm. in their community has been a surrogate. I think that's also part of why I'm so open to sharing my story because I had no one. I still really don't know anyone but this one person from the Facebook group um, who looks like me, who has um, been in the surrogacy world and had to. Mm. And, you know, it's my understanding that a lot of people, rightfully so, want to be private about this. So it's not that it's not happening necessarily. It's just that I think that because of certain cultures, there is um, cultural norms that prevent people from being comfortable and sharing that this is how they're becoming a parent. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, what will people say if they knew? And there's a lot of like community perceptions. 
And mm. so I do think that one, there's less individuals of color because there's less individuals of color. It's just a perpetuating situation. And then two, I think it's just because people aren't sharing enough for those who are people of color in this um, surrogacy world. They're just not wanting to share publicly because it's such a vulnerable, private, awkward, uncomfortable topic for them. Yeah, absolutely. What, I mean, I know kind of your background with social media and marketing, so it's almost natural for you to eventually want to share, but for those Mm -hmm. who maybe just aren't that comfortable, what advice would you give them as far as maybe just that first step of sharing where that, how they got to where they are and just sharing their journey in general? Prepare yourself for, think ahead for the worst questions. And, you know, one of the ones that I know many individuals who pursue surrogacy get in some form or fashion is the classic question of, why don't you just adopt? Oh, sure. And yeah. One of, I saw this thing on Instagram recently that I was like, this is the best answer. Would you ask your, your friend who's announcing a pregnancy who conceived naturally, why didn't you just adopt? Would you ask her that? And the answer is no, you wouldn't ask her that. But your friend mm-hmm. who's pursuing a surrogacy or IVF or something else to have a biological child of their own, you feel that it's appropriate to ask, why don't you just adopt to them when you're not going to ask the person who's naturally conceiving and announcing that they have their, you know, growing a child. It just feels, um, very invasive and people aren't really thinking through like what do those words mean to a person who uh, is experiencing infertility in in some regard and so you know my advice really in terms of for those who want to figure out how they're going to communicate this to whomever in their lives or um, share more publicly or not is really I, this sounds terrible to say, but like preparing what are the worst case scenario questions that you don't want to be asked and how are you going to handle them? And then you're going to be really surprised with how many people are just, okay, congratulations. Like a basic congratulations, even though you were scared that they might ask you this something else. And then there's this third group of people who are going to be so proud of you for pursuing this path to parenthood that mm-hmm. maybe is a journey less walked or figuring it out, like finding your path, people are going to surprise you. People really surprise me in their positive reactions and their reactions to genuinely know more as opposed to um, like poking the bear and like asking great questions type of a thing. Um, And the idea of so many people were who I didn't know went through IVF or someone's sister went through IVF. They, you know, were like, oh, there's so much, like, I saw what that took, and you're doing that plus more, mm-hmm. like, just to understand all of the different paths to parenthood that other people might have someone else in their life or themselves um, pursuing. People start, when you share your story, all of a sudden people feel comfortable to share their stories with you. So be prepared for that. If you're emotionally ready to hear, sometimes positive or negative stories of what those paths look like for people. Just sure. if you share your story, people will share theirs. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and what a community that is opened up when you do. Right. Yeah. I've deepened some relationships that I I didn't know I could through this process of sharing. 
Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, you've already given so much of your time to, you know, just champion your son and your journey and then just your love for, you know, this work. What would you say to yourself? What one piece of advice would you give to yourself if you were to go all the way back to day one? Okay, so what does day one mean to you, Whitney? Day which day one? <laughs> oh, great. Oh, good question. Great question. Oh, good for you. Um, let's go both day ones. Let's go day one. You have just found out you're gonna have to do an alternate alternative pursuing of being a parent, and then day one of your journey of just Katie and you know going through your beautiful journey of creating your sweet Isa. Yes. Okay. So day one, finding out that I can't carry, I would say the advice I have is inform yourself of all of options, but like in terms of like educate yourself on all the things that can happen with surrogacy. So truly, you know, that you could end up having twins. You could, your carrier might need to have a C-section. All of the things that um, could happen on a surrogacy journey, understanding um, what the match process looks like, truly educating yourself on the pieces of the puzzle and like different pieces are gonna come together on your journey differently than mine. So I'd say my advice is like, learn the surrogacy industry. And I know that's overwhelming. And I learned so many like GC, IP, didn't know what that was, MFM, didn't sure. know all these terms, but I <laughs> learned because I wanted to be informed. I didn't want to feel confused, so I kept learning, and I think the surrogate solutions um, coordinator also helped in terms of educating me, and then I would learn something from her, and I would go like Google it and learn more and understand like what, you know, okay, so most surrogates have to go see an MFM because it's um, a IVF pregnancy. Just learn so much. Just keep learning so sure. you can feel informed. Day one advice to the start of the match or like once you're matched. Okay, so this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I'm type A. My biggest advice <laughs> and one of the biggest growing pieces of like just growth, personal growth I had was learning to give up control. Mm. I, it mm. was, I am, I like to say to my husband, I am less typing now because of, in general, in my life, because <gasps> of surrogacy, because I've learned that I could not control the situation beyond, of course, there's medical appointments. There's all these things. I'm not going to tell Katie exactly what to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I sure. cannot control um, what's going to happen medically. I'm not, I, I can't control these things. So learning to give up control and trust and truly trust the carrier as well as trust the medical process, you know, trust all the people involved, the coordinator who is smarter than me and has done this before, <laughs> uh, you know, trust and faith that what all these pieces of the puzzle will come together for something beautiful that you're mm. you're really trying for so just that's my biggest advice like be willing to give up control and hopefully there's a there's a great outcome on the other end of it absolutely absolutely oh my gosh you're so right it, that that trust piece is so so important to the whole process all right my last question which 
as everybody knows, I have a beautiful codependent relationship with my sweet cup of coffee. So I always love to ask, literally or figuratively, what filled your cup this morning? Coffee. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. We don't function without it. We well, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Miriam, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for continuing to share your story and spreading your love um, for the amazing thing that is surrogacy and all that goes involved that is involved. Um, so grateful for you. So grateful for Katie. Um, and just thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. Um, we are so happy for you and your sweet family. And um, I am just so appreciative of all that you are doing to just champion um, what this amazing industry is. So thank you. Thank you, Whitney. You have just finished listening to an episode of Me, You, and Who. To find out more about Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions, go to www.createahappyfamily.com.